For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Thanks for joining us at Hope of Our Calling. Let's get started in our study. It's a match made in heaven. You did not choose him. He chose you. As he rejoices over you, his bride, and clothes you in wedding garments of salvation and righteousness. Well, welcome, saints. Two, the proposal, the bride, and the Passover. I absolutely love this week. This week is everything to us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a week of fulfillment of prophecy that began before the foundation of the world. Do you know in 2 Corinthians 11.2, it says, I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's you and me. That's every believer. We are being washed in the water of his word to become holy as he is holy for that glorious wedding feast Yet to come. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. In order to be holy as he is holy, we must be washed. We must be cleansed. We must be prepared by his robes of righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. In the beginning, God. When we surrender to that fact, we are taken on a most extraordinary adventure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that a wonderful destination? To be the righteousness of God in Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it declares, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless 
before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have had a plan that incorporated us into it. It was all about us. You see, he knew us before time began. With this wonderful news, we now look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about getting ready, but we're also going to talk about how Christ proposed to his bride. Let's start with the wedding clothes. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, we see Jesus speaking, and he says, Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who were invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his own farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. And when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their cities. I'm going to pause here for a second. This is speaking, Jesus is speaking to events that had already occurred. Events we can read about when we read the prophets in the Old Testament. Because the majority of prophets were persecuted. They were persecuted, they were chased down, they were thrown into pits, they ran for their lives. But Jesus is saying, God sent the prophets to tell you the story, but you would not hear. The same story that Jesus fulfilled and is still being told and people still are not hearing. Let us continue. Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways as many as you find and invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all those they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on wedding garments. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. You see, Jesus covers a couple of groups in this parable. Initially, he talks about those that have rejected God's word via the prophets. 
And he's also talking about somebody else rejecting the truth. Because many people believe that they can come before God the Father in some other way than what God the Creator designed and still be able to get into heaven. Unfortunately, that's called pride. Fortunately, there is one way. And Jesus declared it in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So, let's take a look at this plan that Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 declares. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. And that's speaking to those who have turned their back on the only way, the one way to God the Father, and have followed the deceiver, the father of lies, and they worship him. Jesus says, Revelation declares, that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. As I declared, God thought of us before the foundation of the world. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit loved their creation, created in their image. Knowing full well they would sin, knowing full well that a plan of redemption was to be put in place. Thus, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And if we look at Genesis chapter 3, we see the beginning of God telling us about this plan of salvation. When Adam and Eve listened to Satan, were pridefully and arrogantly thinking they knew better than their creator, God pronounced punishment. And God said in verse 15 of chapter 3 of Genesis, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is prophecy. This is God speaking prophecy, telling Satan that the day would come when all would see the victory obtained by the Lamb of God. For you see, a woman doesn't have a seed. A woman needs a seed to conceive. And as we know the story of Christmas, God's seed conceived in Mary, a child. And it is this seed that is spoken of all the way back here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That this seed, this immaculate conception, this Messiah, Redeemer, would crush the head of Satan. But we see a little further even in verse 21 how God is going to do it. In verse 21, it says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. You see, God shed the innocent blood 
of an animal to cover the sin of pride in Adam and Eve. Just like it is the blood of the perfect Lamb of God that takes away our sin and clothes us in righteousness that we might stand before a holy God on the day of judgment and be welcomed in. Now from here, we go to Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis chapter 22, we see another revelation of what God is going to do and how he's going to do it. Starting at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and say to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took his young men with him, and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. Now I'm going to pause here. Notice that Abraham's obedience was immediate. Notice also that it took three days to make this journey. And in those three days... Isaac was dead to Abraham. But Isaac also knew that God would somehow, some way, redeem the situation because God had promised that through Isaac, the Messiah would come. Just as, like in 2 Peter, it declares to us that God has given us great and precious promises that we may be partakers of his divine nature through Christ Jesus. You see, God is faithful. When God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. So far, God has promised that the enemy would be crushed. God has promised a Messiah. God has promised a way to cover our sin through the blood of a sacrifice. And now he's calling on Abraham to exercise faith. And for three days, Abraham traveled. So on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And here's a great example of faith. And come again to you. Abraham was standing on faith, standing on the promises. We will return. God will do something. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God is using Abraham to tell generations and generations and generations of people what he is going to do to bring 
forgiveness and mercy upon all of humanity. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. I don't believe that God learns anything because God knows everything. I believe this was an exercise for Abraham and Isaac because we don't see Isaac fighting Abraham. This was a lesson in faith for both of them as well as prophetic words for all of humanity to hear. God is faithful. He will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. As I read in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, which means he was thinking of us before he created anything. That should overwhelm us with the knowledge of how valuable humanity is to its creator. We are precious. Ephesians declares that we're his masterpiece. But the glorious news is that we're his masterpiece for a purpose. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, we begin to read about Jesus in the garden. Before we get to that, I want to explain something. When a Jewish couple is to be married, the bride's father, the groom's father, and the groom will come together. And they will establish a bridal price that is extravagant. It is costly. If the groom agrees to paying that price, there's a cup. And if the groom agrees to pay the price, he will pick up a cup and he will drink from it. Then they will all go out and search for his bride. In the garden, in Matthew 26, we read, Jesus went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If what be possible? Jesus was saying, Jesus, remember, is fully man as well as fully God. And Jesus is saying, if there is any other way that mankind can be made holy and return to you, let that be. But remember, Jesus was there in the beginning. The Gospel of John declares it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory. Jesus was there in the beginning. Nothing was made that was made if it was not made by him. But he declares, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. I believe it's a lesson for us as we travel through life. Because as we see in a minute, we too will be presented with a cup. But as we travel in life, we are met by many trials and many tribulations. And we are tempted by the deceiver as well as our own fleshly lusts to do it our way, just as Adam and Eve were. And if that first generation of mankind had difficulty trusting God fully, so too we. But we must learn from this example. Nevertheless, Lord, not as I will, but as you. Remember John the, John the Baptist declared in John chapter 129, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Now we're going to back up just a little bit. In Matthew 26, 27, we are seated at the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Jesus is inviting, inviting us to partake. When the Jewish groom runs out into the village looking for his bride to formally propose to her, he offers her the cup. If she likewise drinks of it, they are united they are in what is called an espousal period, for he will quickly depart. He must go and now build a home for them. And once his father approves of that home, he may come back and gather his bride up. For everyone that has drank of the cup of Christ. We are in an espousal period. We are married to Christ. We must be busy about making ourselves ready. In Psalm 116 verse 13, it says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. The bridal price is the blood of the lamb. The betrothal price is dying to self. It is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the washing of the word clothes us. It takes off the filthy rags of the world, transforming us. Those new creatures in Christ, clothing us in robes of righteousness, robes of salvation, preparing us for that day when we see our Lord face to face. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, it says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you 
do show the Lord's death till he comes. And then it goes on with a very stark warning. Because the cup is not to be taken lightly. You must examine yourself. That is what we do on Friday. As we wait for the resurrection of our King, we partake of the bridal cup. Verse 27 says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. To be a follower of Christ in a Christ-rejecting world causes us to be foreigners. Citizens of heaven, no longer citizens of the world. We are called to be the light. We are called to reveal the truth and to show the way and to know that one day we will see him face to face. We will sit at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Is the hope of our calling. We need to be making ourselves ready. Celebrate the truth of this week. The truth that our sins have been washed away. And that we are being clothed in his righteousness. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 2 and 3. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. When a Jewish groom had completed his task of building this beautiful home for his wife, the father would say, Go! Get your bride. And she had no idea when he was coming. She didn't know the day, the time, or the hour. We don't know the day, the time, or the hour. But as we spend time in his word, as we learn about our groom and our future and the hope of our calling, we can see the times. We can see the seasons that Jesus told us about. As you celebrate this week, as you remember the extravagant cost, and as you yield and accept that cup, rejoice and look up. Our redemption is nigh. For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at KendraMartinMinistries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org.